What's going on, guys, and welcome to episode 10 of Back to the Field. Shout out to all our listeners out there who've been staying with us for this long, and a big shout out to my man Eric for co-hosting with me. We uh, we seem to be enjoying ourselves, just talking nonsense, and hopefully helping y'all win some money. Last week wasn't a great week for us, but we are rebounding this week, week eight, halfway through the NFL season. So we're never going to stop giving y'all our weekly picks, game breakdowns, and the betting lines for our gambling degenerates out there. We're also going to be touching up on the Nats and the World Series. And today was the first full day of NBA. Probably going to be expanding the podcast a bit to talk some NBA once that shit gets rolling. Maybe also keep coverage on the NHL. Stay tuned. Also going to want to expand out to the rest of my buds out there. Maybe talk about their lives, their careers, maybe start like a little side segment. Let me know what y'all think, but if you don't already know, go ahead, crack open that beer, and as always, listen responsibly. Let's get it. All right, let's go. Just going to get started right away. Um, episode ten, dude. We uh, we made it to ten episodes thus far. Double digits, baby. Yeah, man. Um, it's it's been fun. Um, and yeah, I mean, I, I think as as we kind of get into deeper into the fall and into winter, obviously, I do want to. And I know we spoke about this, but you know, expand out into different sports, right? Just see how we do. I think we've done pretty well with our NFL picks and analysis, I'd like to say. Um, I think our picks speak for himself, except for my picks last week. But yeah, man, I mean, we could always just like push into upcoming first NBA season. Of, uh, first full day of uh, basketball today. You had one game yeah. yesterday, but uh, or one or two games. But today is like when everyone's pretty much starting. Gotcha, gotcha. Yeah, I saw like Lakers and Clippers were playing like the other day. Um, I think the Clippers, right? Clippers out, won. I yep. Yeah. So yeah, I mean, once like basketball gets around, we can kind of, you know, delve more into basketball stuff. I mean, I've got, I've got basic knowledge of basketball, but definitely nowhere near as great as uh, I think NFL. And then obviously with hockey and stuff, just kind of use this maybe as like an excuse to get some of the guys on here as well, and just kind of same way that we shoot the shit every day or every week. Um, kind of do the same there as well. But I guess before we kick off on NFL, I will let you go ahead and maybe give us a breakdown of game two of the World Series that's going to be on today. Nats are up 1-0. And I think today we have Strasburg and Verlander pitching. So, um... I saw the game yesterday. I'm not going to lie. It was a cl- it was a close game near the end, um, especially when I think it was Altuve with I think it was like the bottom of the seventh uh, with bases loaded. I was like, yo, th- this is this could be a game. Um, yeah, that was a game that Houston probably thought they're going to want to even with Scherzer on the mound. So they had their gear, uh, their pitcher, Garrett Cole. And his past, I think it was either 21 or past 25, 21 or 25 starts. I forget exactly what, but he was 19 and 0. And he hadn't allowed like more than like one run 
in his past like nine starts or something like that. And so this is pretty much a game that I think a lot of Houston fans and Houstonians thought they're going to win uh, at home, you know, behind pumped up in the crowd or crowds all pumped up game one of the series, um, you know, and offenses are pretty even, I would say. So I don't think one favors the other, but uh, then again, you have Garrett Cole versus Scherzer, pretty even matchup, but um, I, I, Houston was definitely favored, but he gave up five runs yesterday, which is unheard of. Um, so I don't know if that was nerves or the, the Nationals got to him. He got rattled, but uh, the fact that they scored five runs against him, and um, it's not like Scherzer was perfect either. He gave up, I think, two early on. I don't know. I didn't watch the whole game. I didn't see if he gave up the other two or if it was the bullpen they gave it up. But still, uh, this tonight's game. What do you got? Scherzer, not Scherzer. You have a Strasburg versus Verlander, as you mentioned. Uh, this is a must-win for Houston. If they don't win this one, it's really hard for them, hard for me to see them coming back in the series. Even if, even if they still steal uh, two of three in Washington and make it, you know, three-two Washington, uh, you still Washington's still going to have, I believe, Scherzer and. Um, Strasburg for game six and seven. So, right. No, so the reason why I believe they do it, or maybe they just want to differentiate from the other sports just because, but I think baseball in the regular season usually pay, uh, or you always play back-to-back-to-back-to games, or maybe sometimes it's four times in a row whenever you're playing an opponent, and the only time you have an off day is when, or not always, but sometimes when you end one series and you go on to the next series, and it's usually the day after, there's no break. Now, sometimes... Uh, you'll have like maybe a Monday off or maybe a Thursday off because everyone plays at least Friday, Saturday, Sunday. Everyone has a weekend series. So then you might have Monday off and then you'll play Tuesday, Thursday, uh, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, and then get right back into Friday, Saturday, Sunday. And then sometimes you'll play that Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, and then have Thursday off and then get back right into that weekend series. So I think because they do back-to-back, they try to keep it the same um, where it's like, you know, these series are all, yeah, consistent. They're all at home like the series are, you know, whether it's Monday through Wednesday or Thursday through Friday, they're all at home back to back to back. So, you know, they want to keep it kind of, like you said, consistent to how the season is. So anytime you're home, you know, you want to do back to back, then a day off, then you have back to back to back for the other team, then the day off again, and then you have back to back nights for the the favorite team or the home, the higher seeded yeah, team. But, so. I mean, obviously us being our, you know, just being Washington natives, you know, go Nats. And I think, like you said earlier, I think we said on one of our previous podcasts, um, this is the first World Series appearance. So it would also be, I guess, the first World Series uh, for the Nationals, which would be very interesting, right? Just because Mystics just won WNBA championships previous year, or two years ago, Caps won a Stanley Cup. And if Nationals can pull it off, man, then uh, that is really just... Wizards and Redskins are just the runt of the family. <laughs> hey, don't forget about the uh, Washington Valor uh, oh, true. Ar- Arena yeah. Football League champions two years ago. Same, and same I, years I mean, caps. 
I, I know uh, I know Mike posted in our uh, in our group chat, but XFL as well, man. We you have a I saw there was a DC team, so yeah, the Washington I mean, Defenders. I think it starts in, <laughs> yeah. starts in I want to say February, which is kind of weird because that's like in the thick of like the of the winter, so it's gonna be cold as it's gonna be butt cold. Yeah, <laughs> uh, and they play they play at Audi Field, which is DC United's uh, stadium, and that's not indoor. Oh, gotcha. Okay, yeah, I was I was trying to figure out where they were end up gonna like end up playing. Right. Um, but I mean, I, I I mean the tickets obviously are they're obviously cheap um but i think the dc united stadium's closer to us right than than like landover oh so. yes by far and plus transportation isn't the greatest but it's much better compared to you know getting out to landover I mean, you have the metro that pretty much takes you right there you yeah. just you know a drunk stumble away from the stadium but using that maybe as like a segue from xfl to the proper nfl uh nfl week 8 um, we have reached exactly the halfway point for the season. Um, I think a lot of teams have sort of already paved the way, rest of the way for themselves, where other teams are still up in the air. And then, you know, you have your your bottom feeders, not to name teams, but, you know, I think those we know teams. who's good and who's <laughs> bad. We're already seeing who's trading away players just as of like the past day or two. You've seen... Falcons, who are what one in six, one in five training Muhammad Sanu away. You had uh, Patriots, yeah. You had Denver trading Emmanuel Sanders to you know uh, the 49ers. So he's going from a one in or two and four, two and five team to a six and oh team. So I mean, he must be you know praising Jesus right now. Um, <laughs> so. Yeah, I, I, I think I think necessary. Yeah, I think you're right that the the teams that have sort of I think accepted what their season is going to end up being. Uh, have already started making moves and um, moving some pieces around to prep themselves for the draft, which, you know, I think this is where more of like that, for lack of better words, the strategy of the game comes out um, where teams start stockpiling picks and, you know, making the necessary changes based on who they, who they're kind of eyeing um, to come out of the draft. But that being said, um, it was an interesting week last week. Um, I mean, I can speak from my end. Eagles absolutely shit the bed against Dallas on Sunday Night Football. There was a freaking monster happening. I know that was one happening. of my picks. So I know yeah. I have at least one right. And I know I have two right at least. So I either went no, two I, and I, one or three. I think now. you went two and one. Yeah, I, I think you went two and one. Um, and then there was a fucking monsoon going on in D.C., so it, it, it what sucks the most, I missed out on that San Francisco pick by half a point. Uh, yes, that's right. Ten and a half or ten, depending yeah, on where you were. So it was it was it was annoying. So that being said, uh moving into week eight, uh why don't you go ahead and give the folks uh one of your picks for this week? All right, so the more and more I watch this team, the more I believe in this quarterback that we've kind of talked about a little bit. Um, uh, and what I mean, um, so who I'm referring to is Kyler Murray. Uh, you know, they don't have the greatest record. I think they're like two, three, and one, or maybe they're something in the middle. Um, I know they have one tie, and they're close to you know ties or losses and wins. 
No, just because they have that one. Yeah, after last week, they're three, three, and one. Three, three, and one. Okay. Uh, you know, whether they win or lose, they always keep it close because it seems like Kyler Murray does Kyler Murray things, and he's very scrappy. He's able to draw it back, whether they win it at the last drive or get it cut, their last drive and they win it, or they go up and they hold defense holds, or they just get it close. And they're getting ten and a half points against the Saints, given they're at home. I love when the Saints are at home. But you, know, this t- you still have Teddy Bridgewater, who's at the quarterback. Uh, I no clue if um, Alvin Kamara is back, and he's banged up anyways, even if he is. Uh, so you'd have Latavius Murray running the ball. So I really like you know Kyler Murray uh, and this Cardinals team as the week goes by. Um, so I really like them catching 10.5 points against the Saints, even as uh, road dogs. Yeah, I. It's interesting you say that. I have the same exact pick as well, um, and I think I had the same sort of. I mean, everything you just said, right? Where for a team that I think is definitely not getting as much credit, I think as they should be due, Kyler Murray is everything that you said, and you know he's still the same quarterback that people saw kind of running around and uh, around in Oklahoma, and it, it's. Very interesting to see, like, they do have veteran talents on the outside and in some of the skill positions, but then you see a lot of the young talents stepping up. I mean, Chase Edmonds has been a huge addition as a uh, almost like a dual threat back, right? I mean, he's not just your running it north and south, but, you know, he can run the jet sweep, he can run east-west. So it's very interesting to see, like, how they've sort of changed up their game style, almost very you know, Baltimore-esque where they've changed the play calling and game style more similar to what their quarterback and skill players are. Um, obviously, I think rightfully so, they can't lean on Larry Fitzgerald that much and David Johnson's, you know, up in the air, right? Whenever he comes back, that's great. But I think from an organizational standpoint, they should and will stick to Chase Edmonds. I had picked him up in fantasy. I thought I was a genius and then I decided to bench him last week when he put up like 30 points, but that's neither here nor there. Um, but yeah, no, I, I completely agree with you that I think for a plus 10 and a half is just a little bit too much of a spread. Uh, if it was a little closer then I can maybe kind of put some faith in Teddy Bridgewater and, and that team to kind of hold him down. But uh, yeah, I think I'm going to take that same pick, which I will parlay into my second pick, which, again, along the kind of same lines, uh, Eagles are a two-and-a-half dog visiting Buffalo Bills. Um, I think this is a overreaction to last week as to just how gaudy the Eagles were. Um, I think the Dallas win had more to do with a you know, 500 and above team, you know, really exposing the Eagles weakness in the secondary. Um, And just Eagles and Dallas are just on opposite ends of the injury scale where Eagles are just riddled with the injuries. And then Dallas, I think, you know, they're getting a lot of key players back, especially on that O-line, which has been just a star studded O-line. So I think their pieces just kind of came into place and, you know, they were able to really capitalize. And that defense as well kind of stepped up as well. Um, I know Carson Wentz was sacked way too much. Um, but I think against the Buffalo Bills, I 
I will definitely take the Eagles plus two and a half. Um, maybe this could be a closer game than I think people will suspect. Like, I wouldn't be surprised if it's, you know, tied up going into the fourth. But I, I also wouldn't be surprised if the Eagles kind of pull away on this one and sort of course correct after last week's loss. So I will definitely take Eagles plus two and a half as my So that was pick. one of my picks as well, but I don't want to have two, or we don't want to have two of the same picks back to back, or at least minimum two. So I'm going to avoid that one, avoid it like the black plate. Change it up. And I will take, and this seems like this pick seems, I don't, from what we just talked about, this seems like a very odd spread, which this almost seems like uh lock it in guaranteed kind of pick uh, with, with Emmanuel Sanders being traded away from the Broncos uh, Colts are at home, much better team. They're only, they're only favorited by Colts are only favorited by six points. Um, I, I don't get this at all. Uh, Indy is much better, good defense, uh, good offense, uh, especially when you have, uh, Hilton clicking on all terms. You have Mac. They're coming off a bye. Um, so they're going to be fresh. Denver's looked absolutely awful last week. Um, and like I said, they just traded away one of their uh, the, their better assets on the offensive side in Emmanuel Sanders. So he's no longer there. Um, so that's one less target for Joe Fucko. Uh, so I th- I think this is an easy slam dunk. I'm taking the Colts to cover the six points and a lot more. Yeah. I'm, I'm actually just pulling up their Broncos depth chart. They have Um, Cortland Sutton and that's it. Yeah. They have like Deshaun Hamilton, Fred Brown. I I I could not even tell you any of these players. I think he might be a rookie. Uh, let's find out. Uh, you are correct. Deshaun Hamilton is a, uh, not a rookie. Uh, I mean, well, you could say he's a rookie. He was taken in in the fourth round in the 2018 draft. Um, but yeah, dude, uh, went did go to Penn State. You know, it, it would be interesting, like maybe from a fancy standpoint. Obviously, Noah Font might start reaping some yeah, values maybe, for those people but... that may have picked him up, just because I, I know, like historically, you see, right, like a QB's best friend is the tight end when your number one uh, option kind of goes out. Um, but also, who knows? Maybe they might start playing, you know, Lindsey and Freeman in the back as well, yet have Lindsey kind of, you know, running in the slot a bit more out wide. Um, but yeah, I, I completely agree. I saw this one as well. Um, it, it was very interesting to see how much, or I guess how little the Colts were favored, um, which actually... There were some other games as well that I thought the same. Uh, I mean, I could even talk about like Chargers Bears, where Bears are only favored by four at home. Um, and, you know, Cooper Cup, uh, not Cooper Cup, uh, just Chargers in general don't necessarily haven't historically done well in the cold. Um, so in Chicago, you know, in October, uh, I, I mean, normally I would take this one as well, but I'm actually going to when I was looking at the game picks, I wanted to kind of stick to a bit of a trend. So we obviously took Cardinals plus 10 and a half. Uh, I took Eagles plus two and a half. And I'm actually going to 
You know, I'm going to I'm going to take one more dog as my three pick. So I'm actually going to take Buccaneers plus two and a half against Titans. Um, I've been a big anti Bucks fan for this entire year. Uh, but the two and a half spread just kind of shows, at least to me, that on neutral field, they would be a pick em. And I think overall, the Buccaneers have better talent than Tennessee. But yeah, to be quite honest, I mean, both of these teams are are shit, in, in my opinion. Um, I mean, I think both of them are sitting at the bottom of their respective yeah, Tennessee sitting at three and four at the bottom of the AFC South. And then, you know, at the NFC South as well, Tampa Bay sitting at two and four. Um, Tampa Bay has been on a two game losing streak. Tennessee has been on like a one game winning streak. So, I mean, it's kind of choosing like, you know, the wor- the best of the worst. But I-, I don't know. I thought I'd kind of get a little risky and kind of change it up. I was actually going to another pick I was going to take, which you may have. I was going to do possibly 49ers minus five and a half against uh, Carolina. But I thought that um, I thought this two and a half point spread was just a little, was just a little too close. If it was anything higher than a field goal, then I probably would have stayed away from this game. But you know what? Why not? Why not make Sundays a little bit more interesting? Interesting. So uh, yeah, man, give me a, give me Tampa Bay plus two and a half who also have a two and one record at away. So um, maybe that might work in their favor where Tennessee's got a one and two. So anywho, that will be my third and yeah, final I was, pick. Uh, I was week. on that one what too. It's just, it's just, it's, it was too hard to pick because it's two disgusting teams and it will, and it's just, yeah, so exactly. Right. <laughs> one or the other, because, you know, when you, when you have two bad teams play each other, one's going to look good by default. Usually not always. I mean, sometimes you can just have a sloppy, uh, uh, yeah, which then obviously then for week nine, I mean, I don't know what their bye week schedules are like, but if, you know, I think it's that sort of sentiment, something similar to what, like why the Eagle spread is so close is I would not be surprised if let's just say Tampa Bay or Tennessee absolutely blow out one another, whoever I guess the winner ends up being. And then whoever their next right. opponents is, I wouldn't be surprised if the line is a lot closer. Right, I I highly doubt it's going to be for the Buccaneers because Buccaneers play the Seahawks next week. So I doubt that they'll get a favorable line. But the Tennessee Titans do play the Panthers. So who knows? Like that that could be a game where if Tennessee ends up covering the spread and like and then some, I wouldn't be surprised if you know Tennessee ends up being favored, uh, even right. it traveling to Carolina, but. Anywho, who do you got for your third and third and final pick? Uh, I will take in a re- uh, not much of a redemption game, but a game that they'd like to look better versus how they did in the uh, previous game. But that was a lot of uh, weather factor. Uh, 49ers at home against the Panthers. Um, under uh, uh, right. catching six points. No, I'm not catching six points, but um, Carolina is getting six points. Um, I just see them being home. San Francisco's defense, uh, very good. Hopefully they can stop McCaffrey, but it seems like no one can. Uh, but I'm just not a believer in Kyle Allen. Uh, he, 
he's a game manager at least at this point of his career too young for me to actually believe in him uh he's been doing terrible no no not terrible when i mean game manager i mean just average middle middle of the pack nothing great nothing horrible but um i like a a bounce back you know san francisco coming off a you know sloppy literally uh, and figuratively a game against redskins winning nine nothing as you kind of touched on um you know, they're a lot better than that. I think the rain kind of hindered their, their performance um, against the skins. And so, you know, I like Shanahan's offense to be able to spread it out. Plus they have the addition of Emmanuel Sanders as mentioned. So that should open up their passing game as well. Um, So I do like 49ers at home covering the six points against also a redemption game for, uh, for Eric, um, for Eric Reed. Oh, that's right. Yeah. You are right. Right. Um, so should be interesting. Yeah, I mean, I'm just looking at the – so Panthers have won four games with Kyle Allen. I, I do agree. I'm not going to, like, start, like, boasting him up being like Kyle Allen's the next greatest thing, but I, I do agree I think he's more of a um, a game manager than anything, right? He's not making any, like, ridiculous – Yeah, they're saying make the same passes. Exactly. Hand yeah. it off to McCaffrey, dump it down to McCaffrey, let him do the work. Yeah, um, I will say, though, since his start, he has been sacked 10 times. So that's and I think we kind of touched upon this as well with when talking about whether or not to play Dwayne Haskins or not. But these sacks are going to add up and they're not the greatest thing for a confidence booster for a young QB. Um, So I I think something needs to happen uh, to that O-line. I mean, you know. Kyle Allen's doing great with completions and, you know, he's doing great at average yards per throw and yards per game. But, um, I mean, these sacks are soon going to start piling up on him, um, which is not going to bode well for the rest of the team, right? Because then you start relying more on, you know, the rush game. You start relying more on slot receivers and then your game plan kind of goes out the window because you start making like haphazard plays and stuff. But I think that being said, Christian McCaffrey is, I think, just a stud of a player that is definitely trying to make a statement this year, carrying this team with the absent Cam Newton, which not really sure when he's coming back, but um, I think they're doing thus far okay with Kyle Allen. I don't think this is a playoff team by any stretch of the means, but I think they are somewhat serviceable. I think they've got a very mediocre schedule. I mean, just looking at their next couple games, you got at San Francisco, at home against Tennessee, at Green Bay, versus Atlanta, then at New Orleans. So, um, you know, you, you got you got your mixture of bottom feeders and kind of the the cream of the crop there as well. So it, it will be interesting to see how how that rookie and that team just overall kind of holds up against against this next five game stretch, but. Um, yeah, dude, uh, that wraps up NFL week eight. Um, not much more to talk about cause, and I know we kind of maybe just briefly touched upon the NFL, but I think, and I believe you'll agree too. I do want to touch up more on the Hokies insane win in six overtimes against North Carolina. I know I was watching that game. I'm sure you were watching that game. I shit, would shit myself. Wild. Yeah, dude. I mean, 
overtime after overtime after overtime, I was, dude, it was it was too much for me, man. Like I was, I started watching the game at home and ended up watching like ended up watching the end of the game at a bar. Like, I mean, the game went that long, and I'd actually gone out to a bar to actually watch the Penn State Michigan game, but. When we got there, there was still pregame stuff for the Penn State game, and the Hokie game was still going on. And yeah, dude, shit was a uh, shit was insane. But any thoughts on? I know uh, last week you said that your excitement would only kind of go up a little bit, but I mean, after seeing that game, I'm, rightfully so, is an exciting game. But is your sentiment still the same about the Hokies moving forward? Yeah, hope hope is there now. So what's nice is you're you got the off week coming up. Uh, so Hokies can't lose. So that's always good. Um, and then you have Notre Dame coming up the weekend after that, uh, which you're kind of playing with house money, house money, kind of not, but, uh, I say that because, you know, they're obviously they're a top 10 going to assuming that they beat Michigan this week. They're going to be a top 10 team, heavily favorite at home. Um, Hokies again, playing with house money. What do they have to lose? I mean, if, if they win great, it's an awesome upset win for them. Uh, that, you know, makes, you know, their record look better. You know, they need, you know, this year, since they played three FCS teams, they need to, I'm not sure if you know this. So, you know, to be bowl eligible, uh, you uh, have to have six wins, but if, and only of those wins, only two of those can be FCS. So if you play three, if you play three FCS teams, like we have, which were Rhode Island, ODU and, um, who was the other one? Fordham, I believe. Uh, yeah, Fordham. Yeah. Yep. So you can only count two of those three wins, uh, towards your your uh bowl eligibility. Interesting. Bowl eligibility. Right. So in reality, they need at least seven wins since since three of those are uh, uh, FCS. Okay. So 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 yes, a win would be nice. It's not just an upset win, but it's also you know a win towards you know continuing continuing the longest bull streak in america uh at i believe it would go from 26 to 27 straight years uh which a lot of people like i'm not so hot on you know it is what it is i mean if you go to the cheesehead bowl who gives a shit <laughs> yeah exactly it's like i mean i think people are just counting more so like the quantity of bowls rather than quality not to say that we've had like we haven't had some quality bowl games in the past but I think the last couple of years, like we really can't be excited to be like going to the Belk Bowl. I mean, yeah, or the, or like the like the I don't even know like the what Chestnut Bowl. bowl or... yeah, wait, what was the bowl like way out in fucking like California? Like the yeah, Sun it's Belk like bowl the almond nuts. Time? It's like a diamond almond nuts bowl or something. <laughs> like, played in like the San Francisco Giants baseball stadium. It's so stupid. <laughs> I mean, it's yeah, it's, uh... it's ridiculous. But anyway, so, you know, if you beat them, great. You know, it adds to another win towards their total. For bowl eligibility, they would give them six wins. So all you need is one more, which you'd like to think they could, uh, sitting at five and two right now. Um, but if they lose, it's not not that – it's not the – you know, right now the only vision that they should have is on the, the ACC. Obviously, they're not going to playoffs, so what's the point? So your your only one goal should be winning your division, hopefully, and then hope then from there going to the ACC championship game and hopefully going to a respectable bowl whether you win or lose that. Um, but if – even if they lose to Notre Dame and get slaughtered, which hopefully they don't, but if they lose, then – it's really not that big of a deal because it's not a conference game. Notre Dame yeah. is in the ACC in every sport but football. Uh, so, you know, losing to Notre Dame in football does not count as an uh, uh, ACC, ACC loss, loss or yeah. a conference loss. I'm sorry. 
Uh, so that's fine. And then the week after, you know, they play Wake Forest. They should beat them. Um, you but, Georgia you know, Tech, Pitt, and UVA to close out. Yeah, so you got to figure at least you squeeze out one or two more wins. Um, and, you know, hopefully get to like maybe, you know, what, seven and seven and five, eight and four. I think it'd be, you know, yeah, a I lot. It, that, yeah. It's not bad for the way you started and how, how down everyone was. Yeah, um, I, I agree. And uh, so, but, you know, my guess is if they, for some got, for some reason that, you know, they do upset Notre Dame, I can totally see them losing the Wake Forest. It's, oh, 100%. 100%, yeah. It would be such a, it would be such a Virginia Tech loss. Oh, yeah. You know, play up to a team that you shouldn't beat and then play down to a team that maybe you should not lose to, but... You know, yeah. it, it just doesn't look good when you beat Notre Dame the week before and then lose to a Wake Forest team. And so. and and, and, well, yeah, and what's funny is that, I mean, you look at our schedule, and I remember when at the start, uh, even at the start of the seat, like before the season and, and even in our podcast, we had actually pegged Virginia Tech to be 6-1 and one by the time we got here, right? We didn't know that Miami would kind of be on the biggest slide ever, we definitely did not see ourselves losing to Duke. Um, and I think Boston College, yeah, I mean, it was a tough loss, but it, I know that we had slated at least one loss, if not kind of being uh, perfect 7-0 and kind of going into. Yeah, you had to peg at least like every season. I mean, I, it's almost literally every season they lose a game that they shouldn't have. Um, and I think that was. That was the Duke uh, game, I think. See, I I would almost say Boston College because they had five turnovers and a four four turnover margin differential margin. If they don't have those turnovers, I really think we win that. I think they just oh win yeah yeah that that is true. Uh yeah, because I completely remember I was just going back to this game. This was the game that we pretty much threw away. Like we right. just had interception mm-hmm. after interception. Yeah, no, it's either we good. threw an interception in the red zone or they we fumbled it on a punt so they had a short field we we fumbled it on a sack so they had another short field like inside the 25 um you know so they had two touchdowns within the first half that they went like 20 30 yards and they scored a touchdown now they still scored give me i give them credit for that but it wasn't they you know you're just giving them points easy points you know whether it's a field goal yeah. or a touchdown and then you know go to the you know we throw two end zone uh or red zone i'm sorry interception so that negates points of at least three or six points um so it adds up and you only lost by i think only i want to say you only lost by four uh no we lost by seven seven okay so one score still yeah but still yeah if if, yeah i think i remember us covering this game and with that with that negative turnover margin it's just almost impossible to win but you can't win games when you turn so and then duke you know we probably should have beat them because we beat we beat the living hell out of them last year. And it's basically the same team minus Daniel Jones as their quarterback. Um, and I think we just got out coached. Um, yeah. And we just and weren't ready too, for it. I think what I know I've been reading on the blogs is on the key play and stuff. I think a lot of people are definitely liking the move to play Hendon hooker. And then obviously coach one day last week, he put in um, Quincy Patterson, right? I think, historically we have done and when i say historically i mean at least as long as i've been watching um i'm sure you could probably add more to even before you know we were in college but we just seem to do better when we had 
a dual threat quarterback, right? Absolutely. 100%. I know like everyone kept on saying Willis is an athlete, you know, the boy can run. He's very deceptively fast, but like we never changed our playbook for like for that. We always had these like stupid, like it would be third and seven. Yeah. Why don't we run a run out of the shotgun? Like what the hell? Um, yeah, it's, it's but, just, and it, yeah. it just became like a very one dimensional offense where it was very actually so, really yeah. nice to see with Quincy Patterson and even with Hendon Hooker where, before he kind of went out with an injury that we had that run game, right? So the linebackers couldn't kind of squeeze in on, you know, when it was like a design run, nor could they kind of drop back into coverage when, you know, you knew that the quarterback was sitting out in shotgun, right? Though they always had to kind of protect both the run and the pass, which is what I do enjoy. And it will be interesting to see, like, you know, as we continue forward, I know Hendon Hooker was injured. It would be interesting to see who starts the Notre Dame game, even with our bye week. Like, will it be Quincy Patterson? Will it be Hooker coming off an injury? Um, I think at least we can all agree that Willis is not the right quarterback for the system. No, I think assuming that Hendon Hooker is healthy in his leg, I don't know how that leg didn't break. Uh, looking at the replay over and over again, uh, but uh, I'm not sure if you saw it. If you haven't taken, yeah, I saw it. it. Yep. Okay. <laughs> I um, saw it. I like saw it. Pause it. I called Colleen over. I showed it to her. I was like, "This is definitely like a ligament tear or something." Well, apparently he, he was stretching out at halftime, and he was he could pet. He was questionable to return, so it's not like they marked him out, and it's not like he was in a boot. Um, oh. So I don't know. I he they haven't said anything like he's out for the year or he's out. So that still be to do to be determined. But if you you know looking at how that leg was bowed, yeah, you know from the knee and throughout the whole leg, I don't know how that didn't snap in place. The leg should not bend like that sideways. Yeah, but um, anyways, but uh, yeah, yeah, it should be him and then Quincy Patterson one two for the rest of the rest of the year. Willis should not see the field unless by default needed. And Willis came from like a zero and sixteen Kansas team, right? Yeah, zero and twelve Kansas team walked on there and then walked, transferred here. <sighs> you get what you get. <laughs> yeah. Um, but anywho, uh, I guess that kind of covers a hokey. I mean, not much to talk about on their bye week. But anything you want to kind of touch up on for games for this week? I know marquee matchups. We got Wisconsin versus Ohio State. Um, tell you what, Wisconsin missed the mark in making this like the marquee game. Yeah, I know. Man. Absolutely it's, it's just sucks. bungled their chances. It's, I mean, I will say this, though. Like, I don't want to take anything away from Jonathan Taylor. Like, that dude is a machine of a running back. Definitely a top five pick. Like, I would be very, very surprised if this dude is not taking top five. Wisconsin's like equivalent to like uh you know LSU SEC they always have a good running game they always have good offensive line good to really good defense but they just don't have a quarterback that can lift them and take them to the next level or give them that dual option or threat to run the ball or even just throw it downfield and Wisconsin doesn't really never really has like big go-to receivers fast burners that you see get drafted in the NFL uh they I mean if they had that they'd be so much better but it seems like that's every year in and year out. They always, you know, hang their hats on the offensive line, and which is good. That's what you should start with. But then just a, a strong running game. But you find a good enough defense to stuff the running game and make them more, make them one dimensional. 
then that's when you see these Illinois of the world upset them when they really should not. I mean, they were 31 point dogs. Yeah. <laughs> Dude, I saw that and I was oh, like, man, if, if only we had taken that. But I mean, yeah, it's, it's kind of hard to, to kind of bet on a 31 point dog, especially with a team like Wisconsin. But yeah, I mean, this definitely could have been, I think, the matchup of the week. Uh, maybe at least for the morning slate, um, you know, in the afternoon at three 30, I mean, you've got a classic showdown of Auburn versus LSU, which should be a very interesting game. Um, there's obviously the showdown in Texas with Texas versus TCU, but I think most of us will probably tune into that Auburn LSU game. Um, yeah, Auburn's catching 10 and a half. That looks, that's looking pretty good right now. I really like Auburn and their defense. I mean, they have they probably have the best defensive line, not just in the SEC, but all of, all in the country. Um, so Andrew I think they can. Big, uh, Andrew, big Bo Nix fan too. Yeah, I like Bo Nix. I mean, he doesn't have to be great, but you know, for a fr- for a fr- true freshman, he's he's been doing pretty well. Um, so I like ten and a half points in this. If I had to bet on this game, that's that's not too shabby. Yeah, he's being shown eleven, um, but yeah, ten and a half points is. It's definitely interesting. I mean, and, and I, personally, I think a very, I think it's a little high over under set at 58 and a half. I would have been, I'm kind of surprised they're doing it this high. I will say lately LSU has definitely, I mean, not lately, but thus far LSU has shown that they do have a pretty high powered offense. Um, like they're not just a defense and run game, which seems to be the prototypical SEC school. However, that being said, this should be a pretty great matchup. Um, but yeah, dude, outside of that, there's, there's nothing really, nothing really interesting. Um, I mean, you got well, Notre Dame versus I'll, Michigan, but Notre Dame. I'll give you an interesting game in the, in the bet in the world of betting. So you have Tua Tungvaloa who's had a, a surgery on his high ankle sprain. He's out for this week and in the foreseeable future, they're, they're playing Arkansas. Who's, who's poo. Arkansas is so bad. I think they got like. They got like uh, dominated by Auburn last week by I think like forty one points, and so uh, Alabama or, yeah. or, or I should say <laughs> Arkansas is catching thirty one and a half points, but they're not playing Tua. You have this Mac Jones guy who's like the white boy quarterback that came in. Uh, who, Token you know, white boy. Yeah, I, I mean, I wasn't impressed when I saw him jump in. You know, he wasn't making any spec spectacular throws he, he doesn't have the mobility like Tua does to get out of the pocket now I haven't seen much of Arkansas except for the scores uh but this 31 and a half points is very intriguing because if it was with Tua I would bet everything in my bank account that they would cover this but without him I have no clue what they're gonna do uh, yeah it, it it should be interesting and it's funny you say that because I definitely got burned with the Patriots just absolutely smacked the living daylight out of the Jets. Um, I was watching that game and I, I turned it on in the beginning. Sony Michelle scores the first TD. I was like, all right, cool. You know, Patriots doing Patriots things. I shut it off. I checked back like 10 minutes later and it's like 24 zero. I'm like, what the fuck happened in those last 10 minutes? And then I figured out there was like an interception or like a fumble recovery or something like that. And I was like, God damn. And I know, you know, we always say this, but, Never bet against Alabama, um, but it should be interesting to see to see good old Mac Jones against Arkansas. Thirty one is is a lot. I completely agree. But also, if you look at it, yeah, against Auburn, fifty one to ten, Arkansas lost. Against A and M, they kept it close, thirty one to twenty seven. But 
Um, and this is at home for for Bama too. Yeah, I mean, you still have Alabama's defense against all those jokers. Yeah, wearing the <laughs> and, and that thing too. Worst case, like I mean, you could even talk more like, can you stop our Alabama's run game? Right. I feel like this could be also a massive game for like Najee Harris. You know, just runs off, gets like four right. TDs or something like that. But okay, you know what? I'll let you finish, and I want to touch upon one small thing after this, but. Uh, anything else you want to talk about this game? Nope, nope. Okay, no, I think uh, so. That's it. Something you know, just kind of going based off of running touchdowns and shit like that. Tell me, you saw Jalen Hurts' stat line for last weekend? Oh yeah, I always look at it every week. It's it's like uh, it's it always seems like it's like like twenty five for thirty. Um, you know, usually for around three hundred yards and like you know. You know, 10 to 15 rushes for like 150 yards and another two touchdowns. Okay, so for those that did not, you know, I'm just going to repeat it for, for, our, for our lovely audience. He threw 16 of 17 passes for 316 yards and three TDs and then notched on an extra 75 yards on the ground for two TDs. I was like, this kid has not missed a beat since he got transferred from... Alabama. I gotta say, it's more of the Lincoln Lincoln Riley's offense. It seems like, like I told you, you know, he could potentially be the third guy in a row to be a transfer QB into Oklahoma to win the Heisman in its very first year. He had Baker Mayfield, then you had Kyler Murray, and now him. Was Lincoln I mean, Riley be... coach for Baker Mayfield as well? Say what? Was Lincoln Riley coach for Baker as well? Yes. Damn, dude. Could you imagine that for a coach and just overall program, like three back-to-back-to-back Heisman winners? I I mean, they can literally just pick and choose whatever QB they want when it comes to recruiting. I mean, the the proof is in the pudding. Just like take them through like their little aisle of uh, trophies and be like, hey, (laughs) you want to win a Heisman, you're going to come here. Dude, I mean, yeah. So it's it's obviously interesting because I know there's a lot of ESPN articles out there you know, they have Tua as the favorite, but with a game like last week and depending on how Joe Burrow does against Auburn and then this week, I don't think the Sooners are playing. I believe they have a bye. Uh, nope, I am mistaken. They are actually playing Kansas State. So, all right, whatever. It is, it's nothing like big, but yeah, dude. I mean, if what's his name? Jalen Hurts keeps on putting up numbers like this. I, I really am going to find it hard not to peg him as a Heisman right now. Obviously, if Joe Burrow keeps on doing what he's doing, then I can definitely see, you know, just by Joe Burrow's resume against the teams that he's beat, you know, he will probably be the favorite. But I mean, this is Jalen Harris kids, dude, man. He is just putting up some, like video game type numbers. Yeah, he's got a, uh, like I said, I think he's good, but then it's also a combination of, Having you know sick talent around him, yeah. You know, CD C. Lamb is probably the best, one of the best uh, receivers in the game. You know, Jaron Judy is probably the best out of Alabama, but he's probably you know the second best right behind him. It just seems like he's always open. And again, good talent. And then I think Lincoln Riley just puts these guys in a position with his play calling just to be open all the time, and uh that has to do with good coaching and good you know just good athletes too just having that natural ability to get open and 
you know, know how to run routes properly. And, but, you know, I, I can see it too. It wouldn't surprise me, you know, and it just ha- it helps that, you know, you got to be on a good team that's, you know, undefeated or near the top of the rankings. And you're going to keep on getting that national recognition, which definitely helps your, your Heisman hopes. Agreed. But yeah, dude, that kind of wraps it up for uh, episode 10. Uh, don't think there's anything else to check out. Uh, you know, if you guys have been following along, you know, hopefully you've been doing pretty well with your picks. Uh, I know my record kind of took a bit of a hit this week. Eric is catching up, but I mean, like Above I said, man, 500, baby. yeah, dude, I, I mean, we're, we're definitely doing a lot better than, than I think we had, I think initially predicted, but let's see how this keeps going. And Yeah, dude, as always, it's a pleasure, and I will see you next week. See ya. Peace.